welcome again uh, to church. Hope you guys are well. Okay. You guys look great and fantastic. I want to. I want to invite you if you have a Bible to grab it. Um, if you have the app, you can also um, open up your Bible app. We read from the English Standard Version, just in case you're wondering. Um, that's that's my go-to for a long time. Just two quick things um, before we get into, by the way, Mark chapter 3. Um, our merch, sadly, is not here. Probably stuck on a container um, outside of California. But we will have it soon. I know you're sad about that, and that's okay. Um, you're here in a safe place to receive healing from your sadness of not having church merch. Um, Secondly, and more seriously, uh, we have been asked to host November's Cedar City um, prayer meeting gathering. I don't know the official name of it. That's just what I'm calling it. Uh, And since we meet in a movie theater, um, that posed a problem. So we will be having this on November the 16th, which is a uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Um, at the Cedar Bible Institute, and that's the building that's directly behind the cow restaurant, with the big cow on top of it. Sure, that too. You call it whatever you want to, it's the cow place um, to Ezra, and it's the cow place to us, so yeah, that's November 16th at 7, so it's just in a couple weeks, and um, it's just a time for us to pray together with other believers. And we'll also have a couple of um, worship songs. Um, nothing big on the agenda, just to pray together. And uh, so I would invite you to come. Um, and also you get to check out the Cedar Bible Institute building. All right, Mark chapter 3. I'm going to pick it up in verse 31. What we've been doing is looking uh, into this idea that Jesus presented to us in Matthew's gospel when he, when he prayed the prayer of let your kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's something that can be had now, that the kingdom of heaven is something that can be had now and not just some futuristic um, event, uh, that, that God's kingdom where lost people are saved, where people's lives are restored back into union with Christ, that's something we get to participate in. And, and Jesus outlined, as we talked about last week, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 28, like his strategy to do that and his strategy to do that includes a church, just so happens to be a church who's going to usher out that kingdom advancement into earth. And so we get to participate in that. And so uh, what I want to do is kind of look at the idea of what that church looks like. like. Like God has brought together a family, a church, a gathering of people and what does that look like? Because I believe that if we can kind of get this, um, this idea of communal living that Jesus illustrates to us, then, then I think that we get to see more of heaven on earth. Um, and we get to spread that heaven on earth uh, here in Cedar City. So this is a weird passage to choose from. Um, and so you're just going to have to hang on. Mark chapter 3, verse 31 And his, Jesus' mother, and his brothers came 
And standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now flip over to the cross-reference verse of this in Luke's account. So Luke chapter 14, again, this is on the screen if you don't have a Bible, which by the way, there's some free Bibles out there if you need one, grab it. Luke 14, I wanna look at the reference um, that's probably in your Bible that it references the scripture. Luke 14, 25, it says this, now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yet in even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. At this point in Jesus's ministry, this is where the PR guy needs to come and take away his phone and delete his Twitter because he tweets mean things, right? Jesus, you can't be saying this kind of stuff. The crowd's gonna dwindle. Jesus, this is odd that you're saying this. It is not the, the most um, famous things that Jesus has said. It is not the things that will draw crowds as Jesus is doing here, but a careful examination of the scripture. Jesus is not advocating for you to hate your family. In fact, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 15, Jesus kind of strikes a blow to the Pharisees who haven't been uh, taking care of their parents. In fact, he even goes on to say, um, you need to honor the commandments Particularly, uh, you children honor your father and mother. So sorry, teenagers, you're not off the hook with that when Jesus says, hate them. But he's not advocating a hate towards your parents. He's not advocating a hate towards your, your children or your brothers or sisters, or even he's not advocating for you to end your own life. That's not what Jesus is saying. Now, Jesus is saying some very difficult things here, but a further examination of what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is introducing a new kind of family that he's going to create, a new kind of family. This is what Jesus is saying and he's teaching, that he is going to usher in a new family on earth. This family, here are my brothers and here are my sisters. Here's my mother, here's my dad. This is my family. And who is this family that he's advocating for that he's really just telling you to put more priority on? You wanna take a stab? It's the church. So Jesus is saying here that your emphasis now is the church and less on yourself and man, this would have sent a bomb to these jokers who were listening to this. Let me explain to you why Jesus is using this imagery of the family, because it's kind of hard for us as, as modern day Americans to really get this idea of family. 
because he sure ain't talking about the modern day American family. Think about the first century, the Mediterranean type culture and the family and how they were more about a communal setting. Families were more communal instead of as our American modern way, individualistic, right? So, so this first century family that Jesus is talking about and he's, and he's using their language so that they would understand is that you had this emphasis that you weren't the point, but you were a part. And really, honestly, your identity was wrapped around this group, this communal group of people. That's why Jesus is using this language of, for his disciples. Um, very different from our idea of family today, right? I'm ready for the age of 18 because then, come on, y'all. Kids, get out of my house. No more group communal living up in the thrower, is he? Right? I mean, isn't that how we live? That's kind of how we raise our children. Like, okay, at the age of 18, go to college, get out of my house, go do your life, go find a wife, go find a husband, go get kids, and do you, boo-boo, okay? Just get out of my life. You can send grandkids to me when I ask for them, right? That's the American modern way, but this was not the way of the family for the first century. In fact, I'm just kind of looking at this deeper here. Uh, a family, uh, how you were identified was not really by your last name. Your identification was like, you are um, Matthew, son of Jack, right? My name is Matthew. My dad's name is Jack. I wouldn't be Matthew Thrower. And then when I married my wife, my wife would still not be Marinda Thrower. She would still be Marinda, daughter of Kenneth Duck. Well, he wouldn't have the last name, but you get the point here. So, so really, it's, it's odd because we don't really understand this because now my loyalty is not really my dad anymore. It's, it's to Marinda. That's where my loyalty is. But for them, it was very opposite. Their loyalty was to their father's line. That's why Jesus was called Jesus, son of David, right? His lineage was traced down to King David. And so that's how they would be identified. So very tricky and very different for us as a modern Americans who don't really understand this whole family thing like they did. And so Jesus is pulling us back into this ancient way. And he's pulling us back into now you are a part of a family and that family is the church and your father is God. That's why Jesus says, these are my brothers and sisters. This, these people, those who will follow me, those who will obey my teachings and those who will proclaim the message of Christ, these are my people. And notice he identifies those who are not his people. It's those who are more into that individualistic way of life, who are following after their own ways. Those who cannot um, leave and abandon your livelihood to follow Jesus. Jesus says, you cannot be his disciple. So this call for Jesus to come into the family is for those who are abandoning themselves and abandoning everything around them to follow the way of Jesus, the King. He says, you are my family. Now, what does this look like to be in the family of God? What, is this, what does this mean? And, and who is he talking to? 
when he's talking about that these are my family, those who follow me. I love that because he didn't address just the Jews and say, for the Jews who will follow me. And praise God, because the majority of us, we white. And that would have been bad news for every single one of you. If you were Hispanic or if you were black, like this is bad news for you. But thank God, he just said, for anybody who will follow me. And so this opened up this door that is no longer just for the Jews, but it's for everybody. It's for the white folk. It's, it's for the black folk. It's for the Hispanic. It's for anybody who would just follow Jesus. The invitation is out there. You could be a part of this, what later we'll call the church. Now, if you flip over to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, um, it, we're going to get this beautiful example of what this, when the church is operating in this communal life, like what does it look like and how it impacts us directly and, and practically as a church family. Acts chapter 2, if you're familiar with the story of the book of Acts, um, Holy Spirit don't come down. Um, like if I'm, if I'm back in Georgia, it'd be like, bro, there's like tongues of fire, like falling down. You know, like the, when, the, when you see people who are interviewed, like after a tornado in the South, like, man, I don't know, just everything was spinning around. It was just crazy. Like I could imagine myself being there like, bro, did you see those tongues of fire laying it on those people? Like that just happened. And they began to speak into another language that would evangelize the people around them so that everybody would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so everybody heard Jesus's gospel that day because of old coward Pete come out there swinging, proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to see something very interesting that happens right after this takes place. Chapter two. Now, if you have already identified me as a weird person, congratulations, you're finally catching on. <laughs> Acts chapter two, I'm going to pick it up way down in the bottom, verse 41. Acts 2, 41. <clears throat> Is it hot in here? It's like the heat is on or up at something. Y'all stop breathing for a second. All right, Acts 2, verse 41. So those who received his words, talking about what Peter just did when he proclaimed the gospel, they were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So just for reference, it went from 11,120 and to... One afternoon, 3,000 people, followers of Jesus. And they, and here's where we're going to lean into the scripture, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distribution and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Right here is the ushering in and the birth of the church. Now, we have many ideas and concepts of what the church is. In fact, it's, it's kind of gone far away from what Jesus describes his church. 
You get the word church, ecclesias from the Greek, and it just means a gathering of people. A gathering, more specifically, a gathering of people who are centered around a message known as the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's kind of odd because we say, hey, where are you going this morning? I'm going to church. Is church a place you go? Well, not according to scripture. Scripture is a, a church is a, a people. Would you say that I'm going to a people? Well, I'm going with my people. That, that may be more accurate, right? How was church today? Well, I don't know, man. They kind of looked at me kind of weird. Like, so these are, it's weird vocabulary that we use now when it's not really biblical, right? A church isn't a place. A church is a people. That's why I don't care where we meet. We can meet in a bar for all I care because the place isn't holy anymore. The people are the holy ones that the Bible describes for those who have been bought by Christ's blood and, and saved by his grace through faith. You now are this family of people. You now belong to this gathering, this ecclesia, these people. So, so our idea of church is like this. You guys remember back in Sunday school, like this is the church, this is the steeple, this is the people, right? You remember that weird saying we used to have? No, that's not right. We can go out anywhere and gather together and we are the church. We are the family of God. Our father is God and we serve our King Jesus. Man, and it went from 120 to 3,000 folks. And the church grew. And this is profound because this is interesting. They're, they weren't necessarily, um, I don't think the church, you would have found the ancient church or the first century church, um, worried about who's going to be preaching, right? I heard Peter's preaching today. I guess I'll go on the other side of town here. James preach because Peter didn't shake my hand. Peter didn't greet me today. Dumb Peter. Nobody likes his preaching anyway. He's long, drawn out, and tells corny jokes all the time. Oh, and their children's ministry there at the First Church of Jerusalem? It stinks. Nobody was there to change my baby's diaper. Oh, and the music? God, it was so loud. It was annoying. Could you imagine? I know that's like really ridiculous and I rambled way too long on that point. But could you imagine like anybody in the first century church saying those ridiculous things? What happened? It goes back to that individualistic lifestyle that we all live. Our preferences are more important than just the fundamentals of what church is. Church ain't about like what how great the music or how incredible the social media, even though we got a good social media, but it does, it's not about all those things. It's just a gathering of people who are centered around the message of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. So specifically, we get like this, um, this like ground level view of how the church was operating Get this ground level view of like what the church was doing, like how they were taking heaven and pushing it out into Jerusalem and into the ends of the earth. If you look at some of these things that they said that you notice like the key word in here is like they gathered together. Like this is that idea of communing, 
together. They, they gathered, they were a gathered community. The gospel created this, this communal gathering of people. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10, 25, it says, do not neglect meeting together. Encourage one another. Like this is the people of God together doing life. They're gathering together. Now the Bible never speaks about sanctification being this um, individualistic type thing where you're on your own trying to grow into God's image more and more by the day. How does it speak into your sanctification or, or your growth into Jesus? As a, as a gathering of people, togetherness. Like you weren't meant to be sanctified out on your island all by yourself. That's why Paul would write in all of his letters and, and really every letter that you read in the New Testament, it would begin with, to the church of, insert the blank. Do this, do this. Thank you for this. Blessings be on this. Rarely would you find a letter that just addressed one person's sanctification process. Because that just wasn't God's intention for your life. It's just why we need the gathering of people. This is why we need to be together. It also talks about this devotion to one another, or we'll just call it commitment to each other. So there's two things to be committed to. Well, well several things we'll, we'll outline here. But one of these things he talks about, be committed to the word of God. Now we are committed to a lot of words, right? We're committed to a lot of things. We're committed to whatever your podcast is, whatever book you're reading. Uh, we're committed to whatever weird Netflix um, series you're watching right now. But are you committed to the word of God? I, I get asked like, hey, do you, can you recommend uh, a podcast? Can you recommend um, a book? And yeah, I'll recommend some things, but can I just press on that and just say, uh, have you opened up your Bible? Can we just start there? Are you committed and devoted to the word of God, not just waiting for the preacher to just kind of exegete and bring out all the scriptures for your own good. Like, are you opening, are you devoted to the word of God? And not just the word of God, but you're devoted in community with each other. And he talks about this churchy word called fellowship. And this word in the Greek, it literally just translates as this inter intermingling of each other. Like you are like so close to the people like, you're, like you are intertwined with these people. Like you are doing life with these people. And they're there for you. And you're not ashamed of that. Like if Marinda were to get a flat tire, if she were to ever drive by herself. But if she were to get a flat tire and call me and say, Hey, I got a flat. And if my response would be like, girl, figure it out yourself. Call Robin. You know where I'll be sleeping that night? Back in Georgia. But we're devoted to each other. <laughs> like, that's what the family does. That's what the family of God, that's what we do. We're so devoted to each other that we are intermingling with each other. And when there's a need, as we'll find, like we're not afraid. And we're not afraid to meet that need either. It's this idea of fellowship with each other. And they, it goes on to kind of show you what that looks like with the breaking of bread. And, you know, I, I'm all for that. Like we need more of that. 
Like if you've been here since we started and, we ha- and you haven't had a meal with anybody in the church, I'd encourage you to do that. You know, we'll like find like a million excuses. Well, my house ain't clean. Amen. Mine isn't either. I have three children. One of them is very clean. The center child, the girl. The two boys though, hmm, they nasty, you know? But like we'll give like so many excuses why we can't have people over and do this fellowshipping and this communion with each other. Like, I don't know, maybe start a ministry called Burgers and Beers and just start your ministry. I'll just see if y'all listening. Daniel got excited, probably a little too excited. Celebrate recovery. I want, to, I want to like just kind of talk about this next one because he's talking about committing to the needs. Like, like sometimes when we look at that, like there were no needs in that community of people. Like some, some would advocate that that is Jesus or the early church advocating for like a social justice or communism or, you know, like some socialism. That is not what this is talking about at all. Okay. It's just us caring for each other, right? It's when there's a need, we present it and we're family. We meet that need. Like as a dad, like if my kid has a need, like I'm not going to be like, yo, just figure it out yourself. Well, actually there was that one time, but we won't talk about that. Right. I'm going to lovingly like take care of my kids. And that's what the church does. So, so they commit to meeting the needs. And this other one here is they commit to prayer with each other. It's a powerful thing that's happening here. Could you imagine the prayers that were happening Could you imagine the prayers that were taking place in the early church? Probably less of themselves and more about, oh, this gospel message, Jesus, give us the strength to keep on. Oh God, like give us the strength and the power to take this message and shove it, probably not use the word shove it, and just take it out into the Roman empire and give us the courage and boldness to proclaim that Jesus Christ is king and not Caesar kind of a challenge to us in our prayer, right? Oh God, help me make it through this test. Or oh God, like help me just not flick somebody off on the highway. You know, poor pitiful you, right? Like what do your prayers look like? And do they align with like the will of God, like, like a good prayer? God, help marriages be restored. God, bring lost people to you. I imagine that this is kind of the prayers that they're praying. They're probably praying for Pastor Peter as he is like boldly proclaiming it in the face of Caesar. Like, are you devoted to prayer? So are you devoted to the word of God? And again, man, like, like just think about how that looked in the early church. They probably want none of this. Well, to me, this looks like, right? It was probably more like, man, We know the gospel that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he saved me. Like, how can I take that gospel out? That's probably what that was. So are you devoted to the word? Are you devoted to a community of people? Are you committed to the church? To to this, what is happening here? And I'm not just talking about this on a Sunday, 
But, but how are you living that out and staying committed to each other during the week? There are a lot of you who are lonely. And the reason why God has you here is so that you can feel what a real family looks like. like man, I'm impressed you. Like, get involved in that. Get committed to that family because that's who your brothers and your sisters are. That's why the Baptist church says brother in front of every man's name, which is kind of annoying, so I'm going to ask you not to do that. But I am your brother. But I'm not Brother Matthew. Just a side note. And this last part right here, if you could just kind of watch what they're doing here, they're, they're, it's this idea that they're going out into the community, right? God added to their number day by day. I mean, how, how was that happening? How was that taking place? Were they just hiding out in their houses? No, they're going out meeting in the temples. They're going out into the marketplace. Like this message would not grow if they're just like, well, you know what? I'll just leave it to somebody else to share. Well, you know what? It's just a little too intimidating for me to tell someone how Jesus saved my life from hell. Man, they they took that gospel message and they ran with it. How are we going to see the community grow, this community grow? And we take the message of Jesus out. I think I say that in every sermon, I'm not sure. It is us stepping in to the deep waters relationally with each other. And it's not just about accountability though, right? It's about us being vulnerable. It says getting in the weeds with each other, fighting for each other. Like that's what God has called us into. I mean, I want to invite you. Do not sit on the sidelines, but join in to the church that Jesus said he's starting, the ecclesia, the gathering of people who are wrapped and centered around the message of King Jesus. Because he said he wouldn't fail and it would always stand. And so here we are, part of that. So get involved, commit to each other, commit to the word of God, commit to prayer. And let's see the kingdom of heaven here in Cedar City. Thank you.